Now a few words to you as congregation as well, especially those of you who are members here at Little Farms. A reminder to you now that Hannah is indeed part of the body of Christ here at Little Farms and that we are indeed obligated to love her, to care for her, to set an example of godliness and piety before her, that we are to be praying for her and that we are to endeavor in all the means possible that God has given to assist Andy, to assist Shauna, to assist Zeke, in bringing up Hannah to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are committed to that. We have that responsibility from the Lord. She is part of a covenant community, not just a family. And what a blessing it is to be a part of the family that she is. And what a joy and uh, opportunity there is as we see many family members here. But she's also part of the covenant community, a family, a spiritual family, the church of Jesus Christ. So let's set in that example. Let's be consistent. And what a beautiful thing it is to look around on a Sunday evening and seeing that example being fulfilled already. Your presence here tonight at her baptism is part of that. And so on behalf of Hannah, thank you. And I can say from the Lord, well done, good and faithful servants. Let's turn then to the word of God tonight, to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. Beginning, for those of you who are visiting tonight as well, a new sermon series entitled The Other Tulip. It is uh, necessary for me to give uh, 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 acknowledgement where acknowledgement is due. Uh, This was several months ago. Sandy came across this article in uh, one of the devotionals she was reading titled The Other Tulip. And uh, after looking through it, Um, I decided this would be a good sermon series, especially one after we've just finished the Belgic Confession. We've had several weeks in a row, Sunday evening, of hearing those doctrinal sermons, those reminders of the teaching that we have as Reformed believers. That's summarized in those letters of TULIP. That's an acronym that stands for the, the distinctive beliefs of the Reformed community in terms of its doctrine. The total depravity, the unconditional election, the limited atonement, the irresistible grace and the perseverance of the saints. So tonight I want to present to you from God's word another tulip. We could go back and do the total depravity, but as I said, we pretty much just finished that series. But there is in God's word Another T. Total humility. Total humility. And of all people, of all faiths, that ought to be those who advocate that we should be those who are practicing total humility. It ought to be we as Calvinists, we in the Reformed camp. For it is we who understand, perhaps, at least in our doctrines, in our teaching, and from our understanding of the Word of God, the sovereignty of God. That's what the Reformation opened the door to, an understanding of God's sovereignty. Hear that call to total humility as we read from 1 Peter chapter 5. 
So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let's again bow in prayer. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, once again we come to you in the evening hour of this year's Sabbath day. Grateful, O Lord, that we can witness the sacrament of baptism to Hannah. Father, now we turn to your word. We pray that you would uh, grant Pastor Bob the clarity of mind and the words to speak, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that would trust and obey. Father, in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Three points tonight from this passage. We are called to total humility. One, to the elders. Two, to each other. And three, to the Lord. First of all, there is a call here that that Peter is giving to the elders. And in order for us to do so, in order for us to understand this, we must understand the position. An elder, a presbyter, is one who is given the authority under Christ to rule and to govern the church. We've fallen in this country into a nasty view. And that's we believe that the church is to be run like the state. We believe that the church is to be run as some sort of democracy or as some sort of republic. That what we do is we elect men to rule in our place. But the actual authority is us. We as the congregation, we as the members of the church, are the real authority. Because that's what we believe, isn't it, according to the Constitution of the United States, that we, the people of this country, in order to form a more perfect union, do establish, it's we, the people. We are reminded this election season, are we not? At least we're told, oh yeah, I know that. Oh yeah, I know that. I know you people are the one. I promise, I promise when I'm elected as your legislator, when I'm elected as your senator, when I'm elected as your governor, when I'm elected as your state representative or your state senator, I will listen to you, the people, because I know you are the authority. How soon it is that they get in government and pretty soon they're passing all sorts of bills and so on. And when somebody says... Well, who's going to pay for that? They answer the question, well, the government will. As if somehow there is this existence of government that is apart from the people. Every time you hear 
somebody say the government's going to pay for it, understand that means you. Because in this nation, you are the government. But that is not the way the church of Jesus Christ is set up. The congregation is actually powerless. It has no authority. The only authority in the church of Jesus Christ is that which is granted to the elders of the church. Now that obviously calls for wisdom. It calls for discernment. That's why Peter goes into quite a long list of saying, Hey guys, listen. You who are elders... Listen, okay, you need to be careful that you're doing this willingly, not under compulsion. You're not doing it for selfish gain. You're not doing it in a domineering way over those in your charge. There are all sorts of requirements as to how elders are supposed to function in their rule of the church. That's why we who are Presbyterian in our church government have ruling elders. Their function is to rule and to govern. You need to understand that because what Peter is calling us to as the congregation is he's calling us to humility. We need to be humble, completely humble when it comes to the elders of the church. We need to see, understand not only the position that they have, the place that they have, but we also need to understand their task. Look at verse 2 with me from 1 Peter 5. They are called to the task of shepherding the flock. To shepherd a flock means that you not only are, are responsible for the care and the feeding of those animals, you are also responsible for the discipline. Of those animals. You are responsible for using your staff and getting those sheep back in line. They bear that responsibility. And we, as members of the congregation, are to be in submission to that rule of the elders. We are to be practicing total humility. We are to understand that they have been given oversight, they have been placed in charge. What verse 2 tells us, exercising oversight. Now, how are they to do that? Domineering? No. But it doesn't say, they don't have it, you have it. Now, it's a reminder to us of the right order of authority within the church and that members of the congregation are called to be in submission. Likewise, you who are under. Younger, be subject to the elders. That's not talking age. Peter didn't suddenly flip here and go from talking about elders as an official position of the church to talking about the elderly. No, he's talking still about the official position. Those who are under, those who are younger, the authority of the elders are too, as he said, Be subject to them. See, we not only have to understand the position the elders are in and submit to that, we have to understand their task. Their task of shepherding us, their task of oversight over the church, and the responsibility that they have to the chief shepherd. They are not answerable to you. 
I know that shocks some of you. Oh, how dare he say that? Of course we. No. That's the wrong view of what is happening in the church. The one they have to give an account to is not you as the members. They have to give an account to the chief shepherd. They have to give an account to Jesus Christ for every decision they make, every decision they don't make. They are responsible to the chief shepherd for. That's a heavy weight. It's a great responsibility. Some of you are going to be getting a letter in the next few weeks asking if this is something that that you are willing to serve in in the church. Pray about that. Understand it. I'm not trying to push you out and say, don't answer yes. Just understand there is a weightiness to this. It's a great honor. It's a great privilege to even have the letter of inquiry. But it calls for some sincere prayer. Is this what I should be doing? Do I have the desire? See, that's what Peter says. Those who desire this willingly, they want to serve. Not want to be served. They want to serve the chief shepherd. They want to serve the sheep. You know, when you think about it back in those days, the job of being a shepherd did not win a lot of praise and accolades. Nobody's going, shepherd of the year. You didn't get banquets for being the shepherd. Everybody just thought you were basically a good for nothing. People didn't think much of you. Thought you were a thief. Thought you were a liar. Thought you were dirty. Thought you were impure. Here you were. You served faithfully. You did your task. But you know what? The more you did your task, the more you were with the sheep, the more unclean you actually were. And isn't that true of the chief shepherd? The one who took upon our very nature who had all of our sins placed upon him, the more he was with the sheep, the more sin was upon him. That's what happened. Therefore, because of the position, because of the task, Peter commands the congregation, be subject to the elders. Total humility. But then he goes on to say, verse 5, follow with me. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you. Now Now we got the whole bunch. Now we got elders. Now we got deacons. Now we got the pastor in the mix. The teaching elder. Now we got every congregational member. All of you with humility. Clothe. Yourselves, all of you. Now we look at that word and we say, "Ah, there's not much to that cloth. We talk about cloth a lot. What clothes are you going to wear? What clothes are you going to put on? But this is a really unique word in the Greek. 
it's hardly ever, ever used. And so Peter is picking out to use for us a term that there were probably other words to use, but he's being very, very precise. And the word that he actually is using here means, literally, to tie up. You say, I don't get it. Clothe means to tie up? Yes. This is the word that was used in the Greek language to describe the clothing that a slave wore. Peter is saying, put on the clothing of the slave. All of you. Now remember where we were. Remember, remember a couple of weeks ago we had disciple do just about anything? A servant, a slave, does everything. Peter is saying that we are to put on, we are to clothe, we are to tie up the cape. Because that's kind of the piece of clothing from, from what we've gathered that a slave would wear. It, 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 had some, it was some sort of garment that, that had some sort of cape so that people could know, oh, they're a slave, they're a slave, they're a slave, they're a slave. And you had to tie it up. Particularly when you were at work. You couldn't leave it open and, you know, dragging, you know. Some of you guys understand that, women as well. You know, if you, if you leave a piece of clothing loose when you're doing some pretty precise work, it can cause problems. It can get caught in the chainsaw. It can get caught in the corn picker. You know, it can, you can get into all sorts of trouble because of it. So you have to tie it up. Put it on, tie it, and serve. Humble yourself. That's the picture that's going on here. He's saying, put on the slave's uniform. Put on the badge that notes that of servitude. The outward mark, the outward sign. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Paul speaks about it in another place. The the description of humility is count others always as better than yourself. This is what we're called to. Not only to clothe, but to do so completely. See, a slave never gets time off. There's never downtimes. There's never weekends. There's never days off. A slave is a slave continually. It's not, well, you know, I served in the church for 20 years. That's about enough. It's time for somebody else to. No. Complete. Because we are slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are servants of Christ. Don't get time off. We are always called to be Completely, totally humble. 
Notice what Peter adds. Towards one another. Towards one another. That means we're called to be completely humble towards the newest member of the visible church of Jesus Christ. Hannah Esther Metten. We're called to put on the cape of a slave for her. We're called to put on the cape of the slave for the oldest member, for every member. Not just, well, you know, it's only the old people who need help. No. It's not just the young people, you know, they can take care of themselves. No. We are to be on our knees. We are to have the apron tied. We are to have the towel around our waist. For all. For all. So there's the first, there's one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves. Is that our attitude? Or do we think, you know, well, there's some people, you know, we don't have to serve them. Oh, far be it for me to ever serve that person. I'm not going to stoop that low. Then you need to wrestle with 1 Peter 5, 5. Because the call of the word is to clothe yourself. To clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. Why? We better understand this. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He's quoting from Proverbs chapter 3, 34. James quotes this as well. James 4 verse 6. This must have been a well-known proverb in the church. This must be a way of, of life in the church. It's just coming off their lips. It's just coming to the pen. Why should we be in this mutual humility towards one another? Why should we be clothing? Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, first of all, let me explain something here. We're not earning our salvation by our humility. That's not the context. That's not the way grace is being used here. Grace is not being used here as in terms of the forgiveness of our sin. Here, grace is being used in terms of God's blessings. God opposes the proud. He is in active opposition to those who refuse to do the first part of 1 Peter 5.5. If you are not clothing yourself, if you are not acting with humility towards others, all others, then God is actively in opposition against you. But if you are in process and you are working at and you're desiring to live in obedience to 1 Peter 5.5, then God gives blessings to those who humble themselves. 
He will lift you up. He'll lift you up off your servant knees. But note, there's more. See, this total humility is not just to the elders of the church. It's also to one another. Because ultimately, Paul, or Peter has left the ultimate reason for last. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself under the hand of God. See, let me make a, a reference. That's the point of baptism. That's what, we're, that's what makes this so amazing. See, just as this is amazing to us, that as we think about and reflect upon the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world, took on human flesh, took upon himself our sin, and died upon that cruel cross, suffered for our sins to set us free from those sins. Here's the amazing thing of this. He made the stars and he calls them all by name. Now I know you ladies who are in ladies Bible study, Sunday mornings, have been dealing with this a little bit in the video that you've been watching. But let's get a reference. The sun is the nearest star to us within our universe, solar system, galaxy. The sun is 93 million miles away. That's just a big number. Some of you might have it in your bank account. I kind of doubt it, but some of you might. But to give you some perspective, if for the next three years you counted one number at a time, one, two, three, four, it would take you three years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 12 months a year, for three years to get to 93 million. And that's the first star. He knows every star by name. He knows all of its unique properties. He knows its chemical composition. He knows exactly where it is. Astronomers tell us that there are galaxies beyond galaxies and the numbers get so big my mind spins. I have trouble with the 93 million. But here Christ God put his name on Hannah. The God who holds the stars and calls them by name. Can you imagine the magnitude of who God is then? Of what a being he is? Of what a mighty hand he has? For he holds the stars in his hands. 
And yet, on this little, itty-bitty, small, little planet in the midst of all of this is a tiny little girl that tonight God put his name upon. I tell you, my friends, that throws me to my knees in humility under the mighty hand of God. Not out of fear, not out of dread, but just out of pure awe and wonder. This is what he does. Humble yourselves then under God's mighty hand. This, this, that is about it. The questions, the form, talked about the fact that, that this is about humility, that we're to teach humility. Why? Because of the amazing event that we have watched, participated in, celebrated this evening. God wants Hannah, in his family. And God's done the same for many of you. He's put his name upon you. See, it's because of his sovereignty because of his absolute, magnificent, awesome control. You know, when I think about the magnitude of that distance, I think about those three years of counting to get somewhere near 93 million. I know if you average it out, it actually comes under three years, but I'm figuring I'm not going to get to 80. 9,565,467. I'm not going to be able to say it in a second. So by the time I get there, I'm probably going to forget what I was, and I probably might have to start over, so it's going to take me a little while. But it's three years. Let us suppose, my friends, that the greatest human amongst us in all of the world is represented by the tallest building in the United States. The Willis Tower, approximately 1,800 feet tall. Do you know how long it takes me to count to 1,800? Less than 30 minutes. What is man? What is man? See, here we all are. Hey, I'm big stuff. I'm important. (laughs) If you were as tall as the Willis Tower, it'd only take me 30 minutes to get to you. But it takes me three years to get to God's first star from the earth. See, we're all about getting puffed up. We're all about thinking we're big stuff. I'm not going to have humility. I'm not going to be totally 
humbled. No way. I'm not, I work too hard. I'm too important. Really? You're a Willis Tower. And compared to the magnitude of the universe, we're not even specks of dust. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. Humble yourself. Clothe yourself in servitude to one another. Cast all your care. See, that's where we are, right? Verse 7. Casting all your anxieties, all your care on Him. It's so hard for us to do. So hard for us to lay it all on the altar. So hard for us to surrender all. Want to hold some back for us. Cast all, all your anxieties on him. John Piper, who is fond of saying, God is most glorified when I am most satisfied in him. You know what glorifies God? When I'm on my knees, humbly asking for God's help. See, and you know this. You know this, moms and dads. You know this. Okay? See, it's the day when one of your sons or one of your daughters comes to you and says, Dad, can you help me with this? I just can't get it. And you go. I'd love to, okay? I'd love to. They recognize something. They recognize you got some wisdom. You're not so dumb. They recognize you got some know-all, know-it-all. You got something. You can help. You can assist. You're not too old to live something to help them. What does that do to you? Felt good today. My son, my daughter came to me, asked me for some help. Maybe you've been at odds with them over a subject, maybe something like algebra, and you, you've been knotting heads, and then one day they actually come to you and say, Dad, Mom, could you help me with this? I just don't get it. Every time, my friends, that we come before the Lord and we cast all our cares upon Him, God is glorified. God is glorified. Every time we use the talents and gifts that God has given to us for His glory, He's glorified. He's honored. He's pleased. And why should we not cast all our cares upon Him? All our anxieties. He cares for you. I mean, he's got stars that make the sun dwarf in size. Yes, he takes care of them. But he also takes care of you.
And if you ever doubt, think of the cross. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. And he will lift you up. Someday, someday, someday. And God's people say, Father, thank you. Marvelous, marvelous word. It's a challenging word. It's a difficult word to swallow with our human pride. But oh, what a blessing. Oh, what a joy. What a reminder. What a baptism. What a God. May we in this week seek to live in total humility under your mighty hand so that you will be glorified and praised in all that you do. In Christ's name, God's people say, amen. Number.